Hello and welcome to the special episode of the Healthy Podcast, brought to you in association with Holland and Barrett. I'm your host and editorial director, Ellie Hughes. Today we're going to be talking about wellness, and that starts taking a good look at what it actually means, and how in these strange, unprecedented times, it's more important than ever to look after your own well-being. Joining us today to share her knowledge is chartered psychologist Susie Redding. Susie specialises in well-being and stress management, and she's also a yoga teacher and a PT. Welcome, Susie, on this cold, chilly February Friday. It's lovely to have you on the podcast. How are you? Oh, Ellie, I'm all the better for having a chance to connect with another human being. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a, a, quite a rare thing these days, isn't it? Increasingly so. It's a, it's a real challenge. It is indeed. Yeah. So let's just get straight into it then. And kind of this term wellness or well-being, they tend to be used interchangeably. I mean, I know they do have actually kind of a technical meaning, um, but they often get banded about and kind of abused a little bit for being a bit soft or vague. When you talk about wellness or well-being, what, what do you mean by it? Okay. I think of it as a continuum. It's the health continuum, where at one end of the continuum, you've got ill health, dysfunction, difficulties in coping. At the other end of the continuum, we've got well-being. It's a state of flourishing. It's a state of not just functioning, but functioning at our optimum. And so where we're at on that continuum is our well-being. And of course, it, it comes in lots of different manifestations. It's not just the physical side of things. I think of it as head, heart and body. So mental health, physical health, emotional health, energetic health. Yeah. So it's very much, it's not a, it's not a passive term. It's not a term about doing yoga on a beach in a bikini um, for Instagram. It's got a meaning to it that actually counts for something, I guess, something real in life. It does. It's very tangible, but it's also very dynamic. So where we fall on that continuum can change enormously from day to day. And we will need different things in different moments. So what worked for you yesterday, we might need a whole different toolkit today. So I think that's one of the reasons why it's really challenging to get clear on what well-being means and also to get clear on how we can boost our own well-being. Okay, then. So let's start to unpack that. There's already so much you've said there, just in you know, a few sentences. So this, this toolkit that may well vary day to day, how do we start to know what we need in our own toolkits? Oh, I love that question. There are so many different places to start. And I think let's start with the place that honours where we are at collectively right now, which I'm going to say it for everyone else. This is just how I'm feeling. Bone tired, right? Squeezed. There's a real sense of heaviness right now. So let's talk about how we start with nourishing ourselves in this state of energetic depletion. It's got to be super simple. It has to be stuff that doesn't take time stuff that doesn't take any energy and preferably things that don't cost a penny, right? So they're all accessible to us all. I would suggest for people to just take a little moment to think about what are things that you are already doing in your day, everyday actions, and the prompt is how can you make that a ritual of nourishment? So I think probably a couple of examples would be helpful, Ellie. Yes, please. Um, <laughs> if, if, we, if we think about, okay, how do we greet the day? So we could habitually pick up our phone and have a little scroll. You can check the news sites and start the day with a frazzled immune, you know, nervous system. Or you could just take a moment to 
feel the warmth of the covers around your body to listen out maybe for some sounds of nature around you. Or you could think about one happy thing that you're anticipating in your day, even if that thing is getting back into bed at the end of it, right? The two things have a very different energetic effect on us. Yeah. So think about what's the stuff that you're already doing and how can you add a little bit of tenderness? So some other examples that just make this really simple, how you shower, right? You can ruminate on what someone said to you yesterday or scroll through your to-do list, or you could just enjoy the cleansing property of the water and the scent of whatever you're using. Yeah. So it's more of a, a meditative experience, how we eat, how we talk to ourselves, the clothes that we dress ourselves in. This is really simple, but powerful self-care. And what about if you just are feeling, you know, like you said, you know, bone tired, fair enough, but this just is the day when you think, oh, I just, I've had enough. I can't get through this. You know, there is nothing positive I can think of. I'm not even enjoying my scented candles, my mm-hmm. nice shower, you know, whatever. Silly examples. But you yeah, know they're I mean. real though, aren't they? How, how, <laughs> they are real. I mean, they work for me on, on sometimes. Mm-hmm. What, what can you do just to kick yourself out or nourish yourself out of a, a really bad mood like that? Do you know what? I would say that it's not always about shifting it. Sometimes it's it's a matter of bearing witness to it because there are really good reasons why we're feeling the way that we do. And it's it's not about saying, I can't feel that, I shouldn't feel that. Well, sometimes we've actually got to say, do you know what? This is really hurting me. Or I feel a deep sense of grief at the losses that we've incurred. And it's not just in times of bereavement that we feel a sense of grief. We feel grief when our sense of expression or our right to earn or personal freedoms or we mourn the loss of future hopes and dreams. Mm. So it's not always about trying to kind of muscle our way through these heavy emotions. I think we need to be compassionate towards ourselves and give ourselves permission to feel. And that's where it comes down to having a soothing toolkit that encourages us to identify our feelings, to give voice, to to also move through the energetic charge of our feelings, whether that's being in nature to help support us as we bear witness and let go. Maybe it's some gentle stretches or some breath work or wrapping yourself up in a, in a weighted blanket and just feeling held. It could be journaling. It could be listening to a piece of music. But there does come a time when we do want to shift how we feel. And then it's it's hmm. a different toolkit again. So it's different things for different moments. Can I just ask you one particular question, which is quite specific, but I think also general. If you are a mother or a carer of other people mm-hmm. and you are having one of those days when you kind of, you know, as you say, should be able to feel those difficult feelings, mm-hmm. how do you manage that at the same time as trying to boost the feelings of the people around you? Okay. So I think it's really important that for mothers, to, we've got to give ourselves permission to be human right? No one is immune from stress, loss and change and and the effects that that has on us mentally, emotionally and physically. And I would say that if you want your children to be open with their emotional lives, with us, well, then we also need to let them in to ours. And of course, we want to do that in an appropriate way. We want to be a safe place for our kids, but I think it's absolutely okay to say, sweetheart, I'm having a really tough time today. Can we just go really gently? Or do you know what? I can't 
do this right now, depending on the age of your kids. I mean, you can't just say to a newborn, hey, you know, just look after yourself for half an hour. <laughs> you could try, but you wouldn't get <laughs> But even far. there, you know what? There are some times where it's better to put the baby down and just mm. go into another room. And even if it's just have a cry for five minutes, that's going to be better than plowing on and getting angry, right? So we've got to give ourselves permission to be normal, fallible human beings and have an, an open, honest dialogue or, or about mental health, emotional health, and then we need a soothing toolkit that will support us through it. And I know this is challenging. This wasn't modelled for us growing up. We're actually learning this at the same time as our kids, but let's just be beginners together. Let's learn and grow together. Yeah, absolutely. And so this is, is this really self-care, would you say? I mean, your book is a self-care revolution. Again, I think sometimes self-care is a kind of unfairly maligned phrase. People think of it as singing to Bridget Jones' diary or a glass of white mm-hmm. wine in the bath. But actually it is, it's really important, right, to look after ourselves. And that's essentially what self-care is. Essentially, you've nailed it. So the definition that I offer is self-care is health care. It's taking care of yourself, head, heart and body. And there's a second part of the definition that I hope will help people get crystal clear on what the true act of self-care is in the moment. And that is self-care not only helps you cope right now, but it also nurtures the person that you're becoming. Or in other words, it makes tomorrow easier. And that is the thing that will distinguish between things like crutches, like coping mechanisms that help you right now, but then also add to your energetic burden tomorrow. That's not real self-care. And I'm not saying that there's not a time and a place for chocolate bars and alcohol and, sure. <laughs> you know, letting your hair down. I'm not saying that for a minute, but if you're having a really tough time and you are exclusively relying on those things to get you through your day, it, it, the energetic toll that that creates is very hard for us to claw our way out of. So I think that that definition, self-care is healthcare, but it nurtures you in this moment and it makes tomorrow easier. I, I hope that that will help people get clarity on what it is and why it's so important. Yeah. So how do I do that better for myself? Okay. How do I prioritize my own self-care? Okay. That's a beautiful question. And what will motivate you might be very different from what motivates anyone else. It's a really personal thing. I think for anyone that's feeling like, is it okay for me to do this stuff? Guilt really does loom large, doesn't it? Even though we can all go, yeah, 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 my health is important. I get it. Yeah. It's still really hard to take action. Guilt sometimes stops us in our tracks. So the prompt that I would offer there is to think about what does self-care facilitate in your life? When you are well-nourished, how does that affect your capacity to function at any role that you hold dear? And actually get really specific about it. So for me, let's let's talk about motherhood. Yeah. I want to be compassionate and available. I want to be patient. I want to be a safe place for my kids. Have I got a chance of being that version of me if I am run ragged and depleted and resentful about it? Hell no. If I can't do it for me, I've got to do it for them because if I don't nourish myself, I cannot be that. I cannot model that. I can't equip them with the tools that I want them to have for the rest of their days, right? So I think hooking into your personal why is the thing that will dial down guilt. And it's not about eliminating guilt. It's not like we're transgressing our moral code by engaging in self-care, but 
the fact is we can engage in it even if we feel a little guilt tugging at our shoulders. Yeah, definitely. So, and, you know, I take your point, everyone's kind of self-care checklist or to toolkit is, is different and it can vary even for each person day to day. But what's the kind of good framework to build that checklist? What are the kind of things you would expect to see on, on a checklist or, or maybe not, maybe expect's the wrong word, but it might be um, a good starting point. <laughs> You know, I'm so glad you've asked that question because the, the fact is we don't need to reinvent the wheel. So I've been talking about self-care for about a decade now and I've come up with a framework and that framework integrates all of my learning as a psychologist, yoga teacher, health coach, personal trainer. And essentially these are the eight different ways that we can take care of our health and, and they're really intuitive things. But this is this is what I explain to, to my clients is this is the scaffolding that we need in our life to be able to function as human beings. Now, that framework is we need sleep or in its absence, we need time to rest. And in absence of that, we need time to breathe. So we've got restorative practices and sleep. Then we've got movement and nutrition. We've got specific coping skills. So these are ways of bringing your mind to a more constructive way of, of thinking. Then we've got the physical environment. Now that's not just um, being in nature, but it's also the fact that where you where you live, the environment that you're in has a tangible impact on your well-being. So it's looking at how your environment can be part of your self-care practices. Um, and we've got a few more. We've got social connection. And the reason why I call that one social connection rather than relationships is that we can get a huge amount of zest from connecting with any other human being, whether we know their name again or, or we'll see them again or not. It's it's that opportunity mm. to share a moment together, that, that common humanity. And the other, this is what I call the vitality wheel. So the other spokes of the vitality wheel, we've got mood boosting practices and skills. And the last two are goals and values and purpose. So these, this is the scaffolding that we need to, and it's not about necessarily doing all of these things every day, but we just need to make sure that all of these things are getting a look in at some point. Okay. Um, sounds great. <laughs> Let me just pick up on a couple of those then that might be more tricky to achieve right now, mm-hmm. given everything that's going on. I mean, let's, let's look at goals. Mm-hmm. And we all want to feel not always, but a lot of the time that we're working towards something meaningful or something that matters for us or that's going to improve things. But it's pretty tricky to have goals at the moment. So what's your advice on that front? So let's soften it. If the whole notion of a goal feels like striving, and and I'm going to say this with great clarity, now is not the time for striving, right? It is not the time for pushing an ambition. Now is the time for soothing. So instead of a goal that's around achieving, can we set the intention to soothe and replenish? So it's still essentially a goal is there to give shape. It's to give direction, but it doesn't have to be something huge and monumental, grand sweeping, right? That's not the time for that. But the intention, I I would hope that anyone listening to this conversation you know, if there's one thing that you take away from it, well, please, can we just set the intention to be tender and kind and gentle on ourselves in this extremely taxing set of variables that we find ourselves in? That sounds nice. I mean, I, I guess for me personally, it sort of feels challenging because part of what I want to do is be able to look forward to things, to have a goal that's adding a new skill, running a bit further, even going on a holiday, seeing friends, you know, all these kind of 
tie into goals. And we just are in this never-ending groundhog day where there's no kind of moving forward. And I accept your point about being kinder, but that can also be a bit frustrating. How, how do we deal with that frustration of not being able to move forwards? We've got to feel it. The fact is, it is frustrating. <laughs> it's, you know, this is, we may feel a sense of rage, yeah. right? But there's <laughs> no circumventing yeah. that. We've got to feel it. But the, the fact is, the healthy response to that is to acknowledge that that's how you feel and to validate it and say, that there are really good reasons why I feel like this. But, you know, you can't just say, I can't, I shouldn't feel that. I mustn't feel it. It is what it is, right? And that, that has an energetic charge to it. So we need to be seeking ways that we can release that frustration, that anger, that rage, that loneliness, the sadness, the grief, and keep our minds very firmly anchored on what can we do something about? Mm. There is so much out there right now we, where we are not in control. And it's, you know, we're talking about timeframes of we've, we've kind of got clarity on the next two weeks of our lives, three weeks of our lives, and that's it. It's just so little to play with. So feel the feelings, but also, you know, maybe if it resonates, and again, this might not float your boat, but if there are things that you are so looking forward to doing, jot them down. Yeah. Yeah. Think about how delicious they will be when you can reclaim them. But true, it's very painful that we can't do them right now. But what are the joys that we can experience in our daily lives right now? Can, can we spend a little time thinking about those mm. things too? It is challenging. <laughs> and my next question is kind of similar, I guess, and it's picking up on your social connection point. You know, how do we keep on doing that? Because, you know, you and I are on a Zoom call at the moment. That's kind of okay, but it's not as good as it would be if I could actually see you and have a coffee with you in a proper chat. You know, how do we keep the energy up on these endless Zoom calls and not be able to see or hug the people that we we really miss? <laughs> yeah, it's it, again, it is really <laughs> tough. And I would say, do you know what? You actually don't have to keep the energy up for the Zoom calls and the this and the that. If you don't want to do that, you don't have to. But let's take a look at what connection actually is. Now, from my perspective, this is not a dictionary definition, but when I'm thinking about nourishing a connection. What I want to do is to stay current with somebody else and to communicate care. And there are an infinite number of ways of doing that. It doesn't have to be a Zoom mm. quiz. It can be a voice note. It can be a care package. It can be scrolling through my phone and, and seeking a happy memory that we shared and sending it to that person saying, oh, gee, that was so delicious and I cannot wait to be able to do that with you again, right? It's it's how can we stay connected in ways that protect our energy levels and just communicate care, right? That's what it's mm. about. Yeah, you're so right. And I like the way you're talking about energy a lot on our energy levels because, you know, you're, that, that's exactly right. That, that's what gets depleted. So you talk about something like an energy bank. Am I right? Can you unpack that idea a little bit? Yes, sure. Oh, well, this is just another way that I describe what self-care is. So the image is a car needs petrol to go. And we similarly, we need energy to get through our day. So self-care is anything that tops up your energy bank. And then I would call, you know, this scaffolding that I've been talking about. These are your energy bank basics. These mm -hmm. are the things that we need to be able to function as human beings. Sleep, food, hydration, nature, social connection, right? So 
it's it's just about the stuff that tops you up. And I think the fact is we're feeling so depleted right now and I think people are really confused as to why am I so tired? But so many of the things that we would normally do to nourish ourselves are inaccessible. We're we're spending so much time on screens and, and stimulated that impingement of not being able to make plans, not being able to see people face to face, all of that stuff is massively depleting. Mm. So that's why I'm talking an awful lot about energy right now. <laughs> mm. No, it's so true. And, and we're talking on a Friday afternoon as well, which is probably also a bit of a, a key time when energy levels really are depleted or you're trying to, you know, you're winding down in a way one set of energy from your working week and kind of thinking about the weekend ahead and what that's going to mm-hmm. involve, need, require from you and, and also replenish to your point. Let's let's get really practical if that's okay. So you've talked all about sleep mm-hmm. and the challenges we have at the moment, sleeping a lot of us. What can we do specifically about sleep or rest or breathing to kind of make that a bit better? Well, I think really honouring our sleep needs is really important. You know, we live in a society that tells us you snooze, you lose, and that rest is somehow decadent or lazy. I would so love to challenge that. So there are two <laughs> mantras that I'd love to share with people. And the first one is sleep for sanity. And I've learned that the hard way <laughs> when I became a mum. My goodness, like yeah. sleep deprivation literally addles your brains. It's so hard to think straight when we're sleep deprived. But let's also be honest that there are times in life when good sleep is inaccessible. And I don't want to stress people out by saying, oh, gosh, you've got to sleep to be able to function. But what do you do when it's inaccessible? Well, we prioritise soothing practices, whether that's having a nap, if that's accessible, or lying down and putting your legs up the wall, even if that means you've got little ones climbing on top of you, that's fine. <laughs> they can join you. Yeah. Maybe it's a child's pose. Maybe yeah. it's, uh, do you know what I'd so love to be able to say, well, just sit on the back step and sit in the sun at the moment. You'd be frozen through in a moment <laughs> <laughs> in this minus six degree temperature that we've got today. But do you know what? You could take a very, very gentle walk in nature's beauty and have that sense of being cleansed by nature, you know, that tops us up. That's like hitting the reboot button. And then there are, on a practical level, there are other really simple things like touch. When we extend loving touch towards ourselves, it releases oxytocin, which is a feel-good hormone. So, you know, after you've washed your hands for the millionth time, can you just take 30 seconds to very tenderly rub some hand balm in? And at the same time, you know, you're not just slapping it on. You're, You're extending care towards yourself. Yeah, you're bearing witness to how you're feeling. And there's a sense of tenderness, you know, saying, they're there. Sweetheart, of course you feel as you do. This is Mm. tough. Let's go gently, right? Yeah. And what I love about these suggestions is they are all kind of easy. I mean, they're little things. They don't take much time. They don't need equipment or anything. They're just small things that you can do throughout your day. So they are very achievable. They are. And they have a beautiful cumulative effect. And really what lies at the heart of all of these practices is that we're developing the skill of compassion. We're developing the skill of, of self-forgiveness, self-kindness, moving through our emotions. So you can look at them in isolation and, and say, well, how is rubbing in hand balm going to help me through my day? But actually, they can be incredibly transformative. And you can, they're simple. You can literally weave them into your day. Little, I call them little micro moments of calm. Mm. And I know that they can make all the difference. Yeah, I love that phrase. And just even thinking, you know, stopping for a moment and remembering to do it. I mean, that's that's half of it, right? I think just giving yourself the, the mental nudge to to take a moment for yourself rather than just pushing on through. Something else I wanted to ask you about, and we have kind of touched on this, but we didn't specifically call it out. 
is toxic positivity. The idea that it's better to feel strong, feel energized, feel positive about everything, greet everything with a smile, put a good spin on things, and that'll make us all feel happier. And there's now a kind of backlash against that and this idea that actually it's, you know, we do need to feel our emotions, which is something that you touched on earlier. And in fact, that's much healthier for us and actually more positive ongoing than, than ignoring those, those feelings. Absolutely. There's a time and a place for all emotion. So this whole sense of, oh, just be grateful or just don't worry about that or just focus on the blessings in your life. I think it's really damaging when someone finally plucks up the courage to give voice to how they're feeling, if they're then told, yeah, but you've got this, so what, what are you talking about? Mm. You know, it, it effectively shuts down communication. It adds blame and shame and it's, it's really damaging. What we need is the opportunity to feel our feelings, to be validated, to feel that sense of someone cares for us. So it, it's not about... Relentless positivity is, is just not, it's not healthy. It's not, it's not something to aspire to. When something sad happens, the healthy and the appropriate response is to feel sad. Yeah. When our values are impinged, the healthy response is to feel anger because mm. anger is the thing that galvanizes us to either honor our boundaries or to stand up or defend those that are in our care. So emotional health is our ability to feel all our emotions, but still we check in. Our emotions are just a messenger. They're not the gospel truth. We need to check in and say, is this emotion appropriate to the circumstance in the appropriate intensity? And am I moving through it in a way that doesn't cause harm? Yeah, we still need to be discerning, but we have every right to feel our feelings and that includes mourning our losses. Mm. And toxic positivity robs us of the opportunity to do that. Absolutely. So how do you know if if you have, like you, you just said this is an appropriate feeling to be feeling right now? Well, ask yourself, <laughs> how would any other human being feel having experienced what you've just gone through? Yeah, what's a normal set of responses? And it's quite often it's not just one emotion. There could be a bunch. Yeah. But I think we could all answer that question. And I think it's this is not something that we're, just on the receiving end, but it's something we do to ourselves where we think, gosh, I don't have a right to this feeling. I, I don't have a right to struggle. But let's be really clear, the appropriate response, the normal response to tough times is to struggle. So if you're having a struggle with this, that's normal, mm. right? And even if, yes, maybe someone you know has lost their job or they've lost a partner, yes, they're going through a, a horrendous time and our heart goes out to them. But that doesn't make your struggles any less painful for you and it's okay to acknowledge that yeah absolutely absolutely it's actually, it's actually so reassuring to hear you say that I can't tell you I wanted to just touch briefly a little bit on your kind of other part of your background as a yoga teacher and a PT and how kind of like what that's taught you and how that's informed the knowledge that you share I guess with people because obviously you have mentioned movement nutrition breathe you've also mentioned child's pose you know how does that all wrap into the kind of package that is you if that's okay to say that and the kind of advice mm -hmm. that you give absolutely well I do you know what I originally trained as a psychologist and when I finished my master's degree in a, as a 20 something I didn't feel like I had earned my stripes as a human being to work therapeutically with people and for a whole host of other reasons I just moved from Australia to the UK and some of my degree wasn't recognized here I worked as a personal trainer for a decade and that fit very comfortably because 
I was helping people create change and, you know, sustainable, healthy habits. I wasn't just the kind of personal trainer where it was like, oh, I want a six pack in six weeks. It was like, how are we going to change how you feel about being in your body? And do you know what? I'm so, so pleased I had that little career diversion because I learned so much about what health is. And then, you know, as a psychologist, my job is not just to, to use talk or to use the mind to help people express themselves or move through their emotions. The body, the breath is just as an important way in or method of creating change. And I think as a yoga teacher, I think what I've learned is that one of the quickest ways to change how you feel is to move your body. And the other mantra is if if you want to feel better, then breathe better. So my work as a psychologist is very much informed by using the body, using movement, and using the breath and coming into different shapes to create different ways of being. It's it's fascinating having a look at, at how we can create change, how we can mm. feel differently. Yeah. And would you say anyone, yoga works for anyone? Yes, absolutely. And if you don't <laughs> like the word yoga, call it a stretch or call it a strengthening exercise. <laughs> and I tell you what, if you haven't found a style of yoga that you enjoy, it's just, just keep looking. The fact is you could have a teacher, an Ashtanga teacher, two, two of them. And, and you, you might have a completely different response yeah. based on the teacher. So keep looking. And sometimes just listen to your body. You know, if you, if you watch a child naturally playing, they come into what we would call, there's a child's pose, there's a happy baby pose. They might do a tree pose or a standing balance. If you look at hieroglyphs, like these are really ancient things. If you were to just listen to your body and if you sort of felt, oh gosh, there's a little bit of tension there what could I do to release that? And if you did a little bit of experimenting, you would find your own practice. Just listen to your body, be guided by what's comfortable, have a little stretch, have a little wriggle, ease out any sort of areas that feel a little tight. That can be a yoga practice. It's so true. And I have to say for me personally, you know, I kind of sometimes think I don't need yoga and I kind of forget about it for a few weeks or months. And then when I do it again, my body just feels different straight away and my breathing is different and my mind feels different straight away. So I absolutely agree that, you know, everyone should be encouraged to do it. And there is a, there's a different kind of yoga for everybody. It's just you kind of don't, don't know what you're missing in a way if you're not doing it. <laughs> yeah, I think that strikes a deep chord. It's, it's when I've been doing it for a while and I stop doing it, that's when I go, oh, my gosh, it was doing something. Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, but the, the beauty of yoga is that it doesn't have to be on your mat some kind of intricate sequencing for an hour. The yoga that I do these days is there'll be a couple of stretches that I do while the kettle's boiling. When my kids are in the bath, they're old enough that, you know, I'm not having to hold them up anymore. I can do a couple of floor-based stretches and be close and keep them safe. There's a pose that I do before going to bed. There's something that I do upon waking. That's yoga. Mm. Weave it into your day. Again, these little micro moments of nourishment. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't have to be an hour of hot yoga in a tent somewhere. It can just be, like you say, a micro, a lovely, lovely micro moment. That's right. In a day. I loved what you said earlier on, Susie, about the kind of PT you are and not about getting a six pack in six weeks. It's about feeling happy in your body. Can you talk a bit more about that? Like, how do you get people to feel happier in their bodies? Mm -hmm. Well, step number one is actually to come home to your body. For so many of us, we are literally cut off. We're walking around in our heads. We're not even aware of our bodies. And and so often there are signals from our bodies that we don't even hear until 
they literally stop us in our tracks with injuries and conditions, right? So step one is to actually re-inhabit your physical presence, connect with your body again, feel it. And that can be even just touch. Like, you know, when you get out of the shower, actually notice that you're drying yourself. Mm. Again, apply some balm so that you're inhabiting your own skin, right? And then it also comes down to joyful, intrinsically joyful movement. Now, I'm not interested in making people do anything that they don't enjoy. What's the point? There's enough drudgery in in life. (laughs) I think our movement, let it be something that's joyful. And that's why I enjoy yoga so much because, you know, I can listen to my body and give it what it needs on the day. And there are different things at different times of life. I've loved training like a boxer and I did that for a year. That was brilliant fun. Mm. Would Mm. I want to do that now? Hell no, I'm far too tired for that. (laughs) And that's okay. (laughs) You know, it's different things in different times. But it's developing that that relationship with your body, being kind, being accepting, and learning how to take care of it. You know, you don't have to love its outward shape, but we can be loving towards it. And I think what you said at the beginning about being connected with your body, it's it's so true, especially in winter when you just especially now in this cold snap, you just kind of roll out of bed, swap thick pyjamas for tracksuit, mm-hmm. don't even really spend any much time kind of with your physical self in a way. You're just Everything's covered and it's just mm-hmm. a case of keeping warm. Yes. So I think now more than ever, it's, it's so important to try and be connected physically. It is. And, it, and it, it's so simply done. You know, it could be as simple as doing some mountain breaths. Now, mountain pose is the very beginning of the sun salute where you start standing up. It's basically a standing, you're standing tall. And then as you breathe in, you stretch your arms out to your sides and up above your head. And as you breathe out, you lower your arms down. Now, if you were to do maybe six mountain breaths, it connects you with that the sensation of being grounded. You feel the earth beneath you. You feel the strength of your legs. You feel the muscles that support you through the lower abdomen, the muscles that run along the length of your spine. By reaching the arms out and stretching overhead, it lifts you into a tall, upright position that taps you into a feeling of, of personal power. And that arm movement is like bellows, so it helps you breathe better. Now, when I do that, that's when I feel like, ah, I'm alive. I can feel the strength of my body. I'm present. I'm ready to go. And and it can be as simple as that. Mm. Do you know what? As you were saying that and talking us through it, I was straightening up in my seat Mm -hmm. and breathing deeper, Mm -hmm. just subconsciously, you know, (laughs) wasn't trying to at all. I was just literally, literally following you without even meaning to. That's such fantastic advice, Peter. That's brilliant. I think we'll leave it there because there's so many fantastic, you know, we could talk for hours, definitely. I certainly could but we both have days to get back to you, certainly do. Thank you so much for your time today and for sharing all those fantastic tips and, and the micro kind of moments of calm. I love that so much. Oh, Ellie, thank you. Do you know what? It's it's great to talk about this because you've just reminded me of a, a bunch of different ways that I can take care of myself as well. We, yeah. we just need reminding, <laughs> don't we? We need constant reminding. Ah, yeah, I can do that. Right, I'm going to get back on my mat. I'm going to do that. Yeah. yeah, thanks, Ellie. Definitely. Yeah, great. Thanks, Susie. Have a great day. You too. Find out more about Susie on Instagram. You can find her at Susie Redding, which is S-U-Z-Y-R-E-A-D-I-N-G. And do check out Susie's brand new book, Out Yesterday, Self-Care for Tough Times. And finally, please feel free to subscribe to our regular healthy podcast on your podcast app and give us a review. Thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time.